Welcome to the Best of Seven Podcast, Episode 2 here. I am your host, Ryan Phillips, here with my co-host, Kyle Coster, the managing editor of The Big Lead. And this week's topic I thought was really interesting, and I know Kyle was really excited about it when I brought it up as a potential topic. We didn't want to push this one back anymore. We wanted to dive into it now because of how excited we were about it. And we are going to rank our top seven sports talk radio hosts in the country It'll come from our opinion, and we'll we'll have our own reasons for it. But as as media sort of moves away from traditional terrestrial radio and 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 the conversations that that drives, there are still guys out there doing radio in a way that does move the conversation still. And it's not people on TV or online that are necessarily doing it as well. And so uh, we wanted to really pay an homage to guys still doing radio, traditional radio, and and how well they do it. And, and so Kyle, I know this is a topic that is, is interesting to you. And I, and every time we do our TBL sports media awards, you always have opinions on the radio side when we give away our radio show of the year. And so I think this is a, a fascinating topic for you to sort of discuss. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're exactly right. I, I am so entertained and fascinated by the radio because I think it's such a pure art form. I think it's the most intimate one there is more than television, more than movies, more than podcasts. Although podcasts are getting a little bit closer because you can get them on demand, but just as an illustration of how spectacular and, and high stakes the, the form is, when we were just recording this, there was a small flub. We had a miscommunication. We stopped it. We started over again. You cannot do that on the radio. And the fear and the anticipation when you get behind the mic, and I know that this is something that you've done a little bit. Certainly, no offense, you're not going to be on my list. I've done it a <laughs> few times. But the rush you get of, of going live and, and having no safety net is just so special. And it's it's a conversation where people are captive um, it, to the time, to the clock, they need to be in their car to listen to this. They need to be listening online if they want to be involved in the conversation and especially if they want to give feedback. So I think it's kind of like this, as we get all these technological advances and all these ways to enjoy sports and, and the younger generation is like getting it through TikTok and influencers and stuff like this, like sports radio to me really brings me back to my childhood uh, whether that's listening to baseball on the radio, whether it's listening to post-game baseball, it's just the real pure thing. And also, when we got to do this job, national radio and, and radio opinions and conversation is such an indelible part of the site because we have viewed it and always have, and going back to Jason McIntyre, as we are going to give essentially what amounts to a radio take, uh, a radio segment on an on an something of national interest in, in, in start the conversation there. So I think that what all the people on our list, what they do, it's in the DNA of the website. And then it's also been really fascinating to see how there's been conversation between what we do and what these people do on their shows and, and, and those relationships. So I am really deeply fascinated and attached to it. I think I've never been happier in my life than when I have a radio show that I can listen to for two it speaks to you for two or three hours a day. I look forward to it as the, it is the highlight of my day. Uh, and I'm hoping that it's like that for another, another, another 40 years. Do you want to talk about your relationship with radio and, and why you find it so special and what everybody on our list does that you find so impressive? 
Well, first of all, I want to circle back. I'm really offended you didn't include me on your list. <laughs> so I've done, for those who don't know, I've done some local radio and, and usually I'm the second guy. There's an A guy and a B guy. There's a host and, and the guy who comes in to just kind of give opinions. And I usually I've filled in as that guy and I've done it for weeks at a time uh, before. Uh, I want to just give a shout out to a few people I've worked with who are not on my list because I disqualified myself. I'm too close to them. So, you know, like Ben Higgins, phenomenal in San Diego, Stephen Woods, again, incredible in San Diego, Darren Smith, uh, an incredible radio host and, and Scott Kaplan, uh, all those guys kind of gave me a shot on radio and, and they're all excellent. And why I bring them up is because it always awed me, the guys who are used to doing this, the high wire act they are working at all times. They're taking information from one side while talking, while listening to a producer. And, and, you know, I've done that as well, but as the B guy, I'm not running the show. I'm, I'm kind of there adding stuff. And so I thought that today we're focusing on the hosts. We're not focusing on the show. We're focusing on the hosts and, and, and the amazing work they do kind of juggling all this information while also, you know, not swearing on the air and not, you know, because some of these guys, you shut the mic off and they swear like sailors, but they've got that thing. When that light goes on, they're in a zone and it is a different, and that works for TV as well, but it's just a different mentality. And you meet enough radio guys and you understand they're a different breed. They really are a different breed of, of, of worker and, and, to put out that much entertainment. I, I think Howard Stern once said he's doing a four hour comedy show every day from the seat of his pants, you know, and, and you get in and you have things to do, but you've got to entertain someone for three hours in a row based on stuff that happened yesterday. You, you know, you don't have four months to perfect a bit and then entertain someone for a couple hours. You are just kind of going. And then, you, and then when it's over, there's no pats on the back. You got to go do it the next day. So I, I think that the ability to be consistently entertaining while talking about sports is, is, is rare. It's very rare. And I think that that's why this deserves recognition. And, and my relationship with radio, yeah, I grew up on the West Coast listening to Jim Rome, just like a lot of my friends grew up on the East Coast listening to Mike and uh, Mike and Mike and uh, Mike and the Mad Dog and, and all those. And so it definitely it shaped who I was as a sports fan listening to takes from you know, that perspective. And I, and I think that that does have an effect on people for sure. Who they listen to and where they get their opinions from really shapes the way that they consume sports. Yeah. It's something where everybody thinks that they can do it. They think they have interesting things to say. And honestly, there's a lot of people out there who can do it for one day, or they can be the B or the C guy uh, once a month and, and, and not drown out there in the waters, but doing it every single day, uh, we write for the site almost every single day. We don't always feel creative. We don't feel like we're in the best mood. I think that we're able to mask that because we are writing, you know, it's just, it's just words on a screen. It's tough to really sell it uh, in your voice, especially when people are so used to your voice when they can hear that you're feeling different. So I'm really interested to see, uh, I, I'm expecting that there's going to be a lot of overlap yeah. um, on our list, but it'll it'll be interesting just to like have that shared experience of of uh, talking about what we appreciate from all these people. Well, and how we came to hear them, you know, like how how we how they came across our radar. Uh, let's just dive in, man. I want to hear your number seven as we count these down. All right, so my number seven is Mike Greenberg. I, uh, okay, so he's number seven on my list as well. So let's just get into it. So Mike Greenberg is the consummate professional to me. He is well-read. He is super buttoned up. He 
runs the team like kind of like a point guard that that scores eight points a game I, I don't know if there's anybody out there who uh is buying mike greenberg jerseys i don't think that's been the case in, in his entire tenure at espn but look at what he's done with his career based on that radio show he is basically the most important person at espn right now when it comes to their anchoring their morning coverage two hours on yep. tv two hours on the radio he has he and Mike and Mike basically with Mike and Mike, he and Mike Golick basically invented this template that so many sports radio shows would, would copy where you had kind of a bookish quote unquote nerdy guy. And then the ex jock and you would, it's a classic odd and you would play yeah. off that friction and they did it really well. And you know, when Mike and Mike ended, I got my hands on audio from one of their first shows from ESPN. And I'm, I'm entirely grateful uh, for, to be able to do this. And I was able to listen to it and listen to how they started. And it was so striking how much a show from their first uh, couple months on air was like their last shows. Like they were just themselves in uh, in Greenberg. Greenberg was his, his ability to be the butt of the joke, his ability to be secure enough in himself to be like, yes, I am this guy. Uh, when, when you kind of have like all the adrenaline of, of an, of an athlete, like pushing you down and, and telling why you're wrong and stuff like that. I think that it takes a lot of courage to be who you are. And he leaned who, into who he was a lot on that show for sure. And that's who he is. And every single day, he would go through and, and, and I know that he is so prepared that on, on, on get up and it, and it always showed on his shows uh, with on, on the radio. It was those days started so early and they attacked it. And they, he, the, the, the phrase of back, back and better than ever at, at six in the morning, like it was just like, okay, we're the dawn is breaking. We're ready to get to work and I'm going to be here leading you. You're in very capable hands. We are going to put together a show that talks about sports, that we have a little bit of fun. We're not going to get too controversial. It's just I think that I think that Mike and Mike got got its detractors would say that it was it was a little vanilla and it didn't take risks and stuff like that. But for what it was trying to do, it accomplished it so well. And, and, and I think that Greenberg is just chronically underrated when, when it comes to that. It was so interesting to see Golik get basically the big send off when it, it was clear that his ESPN time was coming to a close. You know, he kind of got feted and everybody was talking about I mean, I think he got the Lifetime Achievement Award from us. And it'll be interesting when that time comes for Greenberg to really go back and look at what he what he built at ESPN um, and, and how it all you know expands out from from that radio show yeah and and you know he returned to radio this year with Greeny his show and I think that there was kind of a all right that makes sense because he's so good at it and and what I put down in my notes for Greenberg and you know we we both have him at number seven and I, I just, he's just a classic sports talk host. He's smooth. He's a crisp broadcaster. Like he's, he's a consummate broadcaster. He is so good. He rare, he never flubs. He's just so, so, and you may not agree with his opinions. You may not agree with, with what he's doing with his show, but it's almost like listening to butter. Like it just, it, it flows perfectly and his cadence is great. And so from a technical perspective, he's fantastic. And the other thing, as you said, is that he owns who he is. He knows he's a nerdy guy who went to Northwestern and was is not an athlete. And 
he just leans into that at every turn and whether it's, you know, on get up or Mike and Mike or his new show, that's just who he is. And I think what they built at Mike and Mike is one of the most underrated shows in sports history uh, because it doesn't get talked about as much as Mike and the Mad Dog or uh, even, you know, Rome because of the fanaticism of the fans of those shows. Whereas Mike and Mike was just, it was the first voice you were hearing every morning if you were a sports fan, whether on TV or because they started broadcasting it or on the radio and they would set up the day for sports. And there's a weight to that. I've done a 6 a.m. show. I've done a 5 a.m. show. It, it's it's a different animal. And it is oppressive and it is hard to be chipper that early in the morning, no matter how many hours of sleep you've gotten. When the sun's not up, it's hard to be enthusiastic. And those guys every day brought it. And I just think that he is, as you said, criminally underrated as a broadcaster, and and I think criminally underrated as a sports talk voice. What you said there was so interesting about him being this first voice that you heard in the morning, setting up your sports for the entire day. So don't think it was an accident the way that he presented himself. He knew that that's the role he was playing. He knew that he couldn't come in there and and be throwing ninety nine on the first pitch of the game. He knew that it that people were easing into their cars with their coffee. They knew he knew that they didn't want to be bombarded with this over the top personality. And to Golik's credit, Golik understood that too. They knew the world that they were trying to create and they, and they knew their audience. So there's all this talk about what Greenberg isn't. Uh, and, and there's all this talk about how maybe, you know, you don't see the spectacular highlight plays. There's not enough talk of, yes, I think he could do that if he wanted to, but it just hasn't ever made sense for what he's trying to do, especially in that morning show role. Um, Last thing I'll say about Greenberg is if you think it's easy to come up with a flag flagship national show uh, to to put on the radio early in the morning, uh, just look no further than what has happened ever since that show went away and the struggles to, replicate it or, or fill it in any meaningful way. Uh, I, I think that it'll go down as kind of a once in a lifetime uh, t- type of program. It was a confluence of two personalities that, that fit like a puzzle piece, you know, uh, they, they just, they just intersected in the perfect ways. And as you said, you know, he couldn't throw 99 in the morning. Look at people wanted morning craziness at the same time they were going head to head nationally with Howard Stern or other crazy local guys who were going to be wacky and zany. They were giving you good, solid sports analysis and setting up the stories of the day that were going to trend all day long. And they weren't there to be wacky. Now, they were there to be funny and enjoy themselves and all that, but they weren't there to shock you. They were there to do their job and 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 convey sports news to you. And look, they, they couldn't be crazy at ESPN anyway, but it just was, that was their role and they filled it so well for so long. And I think that's why so many people were upset when that show went away, because even if they weren't die, die, die hard fans of it, it was part of their day. And it was part of the sports conversation from day one until the day it went off the air and until they switched with Trey Wingo and, and Golick. And so I would say that that yeah, it's as you as again as we've said again, he's criminally underrated for for what he's done for for Sports Talk Radio. Yeah, I, I 
we're on the same page there. That's fun. I think that's the first time we've ever had someone ranked at the same position. At the same level. Let's see. Well, let's let's see if we keep the streak alive. What's who's your number six? I have Chris Russo. Um, it's a good choice. Chris Russo is someone, you know, we're going to talk about how we came to know who these people are. And I, growing up in flyover country, I didn't have any inkling of what was going on in New York. I didn't understand the show. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know what all the fuss was about. And it was only until moving to New York that I really started to understand what it was, um, right. what these two had built. And, and just like we talked about a, a template being forged at Mike and Mike, this was a, this was a totally different template aimed at speaking to a local audience, which Russo understood so much and he knew exactly what type of volume he knew exactly what type of volatility to bring. He knew that in the dog days of summer, when your baseball team's bullpen blows a game in the grand scheme of things, that's not a big deal. But if you play it up like a big deal, people are really going to enjoy it because nothing gets people more hot under the collar than when there's a blown save. And I think that that's really the genius here uh, in, in Russo is his authenticness. Uh, is he the smoothest? No, no. He is trying to squeeze 400 words into a 300 word space. And he's trying to go as fast as he can. And when he doesn't know what to do next, it'll get a bit histrionic. And that's just wonderful. a bit. <laughs> it's wonderful to watch him cook and, and, not really be able to anticipate where he's going to go next. Uh, the unpredictability of what's going to set him off is so fascinating. He's one of those guys where if you listen to someone long enough, you're going to expect them. You can predict their takes. You can expect what's going to piss them off. You can expect what they're going to really like. I think Russo, Russo is so good at kind of playing it close to the, close to the vest and being so, you know, unorthodox that he might surprise you with something. Uh, and, and when you get those moments and you didn't expect it, I think that that's such a really exciting time uh, as a consumer of, of any type of art. Plus, big baseball guy. He's never turned his back on what he really loves. I, I, I love that he has tried so hard to elevate the game of baseball on the national level, which mm -hmm. is almost feels like a fool's errand at this point, but it's something I'm passionate about and to watch him work so hard and find great ways to sell the game and to not fall in the tropes of how usual uh, national radio shows speak about the game when it's just bat flips and controversy stuff like right. that. To actually talk about the game, I think is, is really beautiful radio. And now time to pay the bills. Yeah. So I didn't, Mike and the Mad Dog, which was Mike Francesa and Chris Russo. I didn't get that on the West Coast. I didn't like you. I didn't get the show when I did hear about it. I was, it was kind of this mythical thing that people on the East Coast talked about. Uh, when I moved to Indiana to go to college, there was I heard some of it, uh, but it wasn't on my radar. And and only until I got into this business did I start to understand the impact that that show had. Those guys were together for more than twenty years, I believe. And then you know Russo broke off to go do Mad Dog Radio on on Sirius, and I started hearing him more. And he did some guest spots. I know I've mentioned Stern a few times, but he did some guest spots on Stern as they brought serious, you know, uh, personalities together. 
And I started listening and I started paying attention, more attention to him. And his rants are just epic. And it's great radio. You And Stephen A. Smith used to do this on his radio show. He doesn't have a show anymore. But when he would get a, going on a rant, that's the kind of thing that on our website ends up as a post because they're so good. And, and Chris Russo is the same way. And it's not, he's not ranting for the histrionics and for the, just for the, to get it out there. He's doing it because he's passionate about what he's talking about. And his passion comes literally comes through the speakers. You can hear it. And you're right. His baseball stuff. I mean, he is as passionate as anybody about baseball. And when that guy gets going, he's it's just, it's fascinating and it's entertaining. And there is, there are a few who have the highs that he does when he's that locked into a subject. He didn't make my list, but he was definitely in consideration. And he didn't make it because I haven't listened to him enough, honestly, but I do know his highs are as high as anybody when he gets going and it's such, such entertaining radio. And he's had such a long career of doing that and surviving that way, which makes it even more amazing. Yeah. Two more things to his credit and to consider I know it's too late for you to change your list, but you know, the Sirius XM station built around him uh, is a success. It continues to be a success. A lot of home run hitters on that, on that. Channel. I am not so sure if you traveled back in time, if you presented that idea to me, I would have been like, yeah, that's going to work. It has worked. You mentioned Stephen A. Smith. Uh, he has been able to cultivate people kind of under that umbrella, like much like football coaches have a coaching tree. Russo has a pretty impressive tree of talent under underneath himself. And then also you can't have the conversation with about him without considering what happened to his longtime partner. Uh, Francesca kind of became a meme. He kind of became this figure that was easily to deride. Um, and, and I don't think unfairly, I think that he kind of, he kind of got to a, a, an almost comical le- uh, place uh, where people were like, Oh, I wish this guy could, could, still do it like he did in the old days. Uh, but Russo has been able to at least remain that 90% version of, 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 of his peak and, and had a very like long career uh, and, and, and has really built something there. So those are just two things about, about Russo that I, I, I didn't immediately come to mind, but as you were speaking, I kind of, kind of jotted up in there that, that when you look at, when you look at what he's done, not just on air, but, kind of being the face of this uh, umbrella, uh, yeah. it, it, really, it really stands out. Yeah, and I would say one more thing on that is that I think in some ways the split with Francesa elevated Russo, whereas, uh, you know, I mean, it allowed him to sort of spread his wings a little more, and, and Mad Dog Radio has been fantastic for Sirius, and one of their hosts is, is on my list later. So uh, you're right about that, having a deep bench. At, uh, so yeah, Mad Dog Radio on, on Sirius XM is definitely something that has to be added to Chris Russo's credit uh, and the people that he's picked to fill out that lineup. My, my number six is a guy who's uh, done some stuff with the big lead, and it's Brandon Tierney uh, on Tiki and Tierney. And I really didn't start listening to their show until about two years ago. And there are a couple things about Brandon that I really identify with, and I think that that's why I picked him. Uh, he's, first of all, he is an excellent broadcaster. He's been in radio forever. And, and he's really developed into a really good broadcaster. He's smart. He, he makes smart takes. Uh, he, but as I mentioned with Russo, the thing that connects with me is his ability to rant on a subject. And, and I, that's my favorite radio is when a guy, Jim Rome does this a lot. 
Colin Cowherd does this a lot. When you get on a topic and take it from the top all the way to the bottom of a segment, just going on it, whether you're ripping somebody, whether you're breaking down something, his ability to sort of just dive into something and tear it apart is fascinating. It is so entertaining to watch. And he's really passionate. He's got a good sense of humor. He and Tiki Barber work really well together. Uh, and he's, but he is also a former college athlete. And so he understands locker room dynamics and things like that. So I think that's why he and Tiki can be paired and have it not feel like the odd couple that Mike and Mike was because they were both athletes and they can kind of understand the way that sports really work from the inside. Um, but I, I just think Tierney, when he gets going on a rant and, and, He's he's as good as anybody when he does that. And I, I find him highly entertaining. And it's a show that, again, I didn't come to until about two years ago. And now I listen to because I think it's really, really well-rounded show. And they get good interviews and stuff as well. Yeah, he's he's athletic. He is athletic in his presentation. Um, yes. That's kind of you can feel his whole body going into it, which is which is something really cool to hear. Uh, and also something that's really cool to see when you, when you get the opportunity to see, you know, that's, that's another thing that we didn't talk about where you get to see what some of these guys do in studio, um, you know, on the, on the simulcast and, and usually the people who are in 15 hours a day or whatever have, have, have tended to, to get in more relaxed, but you get in any radio station, um, you know, across the country, you see someone who's standing up and really delivering it. And I think that that athleticism is, is exciting and, 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 it, and it's fun, but beyond that is you don't, you're not able to execute a take from top to bottom. Like you just said, without being a good writer and I agree. being someone who's able to know how to structure things uh, the, the skill of being able to write, uh, a column is different than it is for a feature as it is for a blog post and a radio rant or a take or a segment. That's a whole different type of writing. So I think when, with, with tyranny, the thing that I appreciate is, you know, he takes the time to write it out and he takes the time to, to think it through. Um, and, 85% of the, when he's 85% of the way through what he's saying, it still is interesting as, as the first half. And that's yeah. something that is, it takes years and years to, to perfect. It's something that I would love to, to get better at, but you don't get there unless you really have a plan of where you're going. So it's like, he has a roadmap in front of him and he's laid out the, the course to get there and he's following it and he's doing it as, as, as if he's discovering for, for the first time. And, and I agree. I think that I would not be shocked to see his star elevate, um, you know, significantly higher in, in, upcoming years because i think that he does kind of merge some of the new and, and old school things in a way that makes him very versatile depending on where the industry goes yeah and he's been working in old school radio for a long time and it feels like his national exposure is finally growing it, you know you know to, to to fit the position that he's in and maybe expand on it and i do agree i think there's there's definitely a confluence of old and new there and you're right about his takes. I feel like they don't, a lot of times guys have a take and it's very strong at the beginning and it peters out as it goes because the initial point was what they were trying to make and then they don't know how to get out of it. You know, and I feel like his 
just have these waves in them where they are, as you said, mapped out and, and, and well thought out. It's like every angle is covered, you know, so it feels like it's buttoned up and it feels like there's no questions at the end. That's just what it is. And you may not agree with it. You may not, you, you may disagree with it, but you feel like it's at least a complete argument that you can't poke a ton of holes in. So that that kind of stuff is impressive to me. And I agree with you on the writing part. And I think part of being a good radio host is writing and and a- analyzing and t- taking things down. And, and it's, it's you know, I know when I do it, I have pages of notes when I go into to guest host, just because you want to have every angle covered because you don't want to sound stupid. You, you know, if you missed a huge chunk of something, you want to have it all covered. So it is a second part of the job. You're working three, four hours a day on air, but it's a lot more than that in prep to make sure that everything is covered. So who'd you get at number five? Well, number five is someone I know is going to be on your list. Uh, you mentioned him earlier in the show and that's Jim Rome. Um, Jim Rome is a first ballot radio hall of famer, not just sports radio. He invented a new language. He invented the concept of clones, which has morphed um, through these years to be, to mean a lot of different things. I think that you could look at the stoolies with barstool. That is something that was created uh, in a lab many, many years ago by Jim Rome. And he's a writer too. You do not, you do not get through a Rome segment without hearing the thought that went into it. Um, He's writing with a totally different language that he made up that he has contorted and is used kind of like a jazz musician to make the noises and emote the things that he wants it to do, which is so awesome. I mean, you're talking about like, like a chemist or you're talking about like a very creative person on the basketball court. Like it's awesome to really sit and go through all the things that he that he did and the chances that he took. And he's a risk taker and he, and he bet on himself. He created something totally new, totally original, something that I think this is a big part too, something that he knew a lot of people weren't going to understand. Mm-hmm. Right. This is not a, this is, this became a very popular show, but it was not for the mass audience. It was not lowest common denominator. It intentionally drove people off. And I wrote, you know, I, last year I wrote a long thing about talking to all the Jim Rome callers. And Which was great, by the way. And anybody should go back and find that article. It was fantastic. Thank you. And I had a great, I had a great time. I had a great time writing it and in talking to these people, they all felt part of the community and it was a competitive community. And by doing that, he allowed the best callers to rise to the top and he was able to cultivate and harness new talent. And it was always fresh because you're getting new blood in there and you're not getting the same staid and tired uh, calls from everybody. So the way he was able to incorporate the world at large into his show was such a brilliant thing and kind of like a sociologic experiment that I, that I think is, is so fascinating. And he just had one the other day where he was talking about the hall of fame voting. He can still go out there and he can still make you feel like it's uh, 1999 and Jim Rome is, is burning and it's great to have those moments. I mean, obviously um, when, 
what, 30 years, there's going to be some, some time, some ebbs and flows, but he's kind of someone who every time you tune into him, every time I tune into him, I'm always struck by what a special place it is. It's Um, definitely different too. Yeah. And it's, it's a world that like, I can admit that I don't fully understand. And maybe to like what we talked about before, maybe it makes it harder to, to join in, but the people who can speak the language who feel comfortable in that world, it means so much to them. And I think, I think when you create any type of art, you'd probably rather have that than just something that people like a little bit. So Jim Rome is a little higher on my list, but I grew up in Southern California listening to 690 radio uh, when he was on it from Baja to the Canadian Rockies, you know, those, those days. And uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing show top to bottom. And what I would compare it to a little bit is the Levitard show where you kind of have to be on the inside to get all the jokes and you have to give it time listening to it and sort of cultivate your listenership to understand the ecosystem you're entering. And Rome would always say when he'd go to a new market and, and it was on his national show and, and the new markets would be lit up and, and they'd be in and he'd be like, Hey, I just want to tell Albuquerque or whatever, give the show two weeks. If you're not in on two weeks, get out. You're not going to get it, but give it two weeks. If you don't like it today, come back tomorrow. You'll start to understand it. And, you know, he's created an ecosystem and you talked about it with the smack off, which is his beat down where the callers call in and basically rip each other and it becomes this huge thing and there's a best caller of the year and it's a one day a year thing and they build up to it for months you know and it's so big that it's you know everybody you'll you'll see twitter i mean he's not the most popular national voice but on twitter it's all the smack off you know all of these comments about it and i just think that he's created this world where he doesn't even have to talk about sports on his show he does, but he could just do one where he talks about the callers all day and he talks about the, the world they've created. And, you know, they, they have, you're right, they have their own language. It's almost like the guys from Star Trek actually creating Klingon as a language. That's the Jim Rome show. They've created Klingon, you know, or, or whatever for their show. And, and it's this other language they speak in. Um, I, I also think it's amazing because it's him by himself alone in that booth for hours a day. And it's always passionate. It's always smart. It's always entertaining. You're right. He rises to highs that, that, uh, that baseball hall of fame voting rant. He went on perfect because I think it it illuminated and something for everybody and illustrated what so many feel and put it into words that we don't really care anymore about, you know, your percentages or all that. You just, you've made it less interesting by the way you do this. And he's just so good. He's like a dog with a bone when he gets on something. He'll do something. He'll do a segment on something. And then over the next couple of segments, it could be on baseball and he'll be talking about football and basketball or whatever, but he'll keep referring back to the thing he had that was his rant and just keep picking at it and picking at it and picking at it because you can tell it really got to him, you know, and he just keeps doing it. And it's so rare these days that you have a one man show anymore. Usually it's, you know, even Cowherd has Joy Taylor now that he can bounce ideas back and forth off of. And, and a lot of these guys have brought in, you know, they have teams of producers that they talk. Dan Patrick's really good at that. And we'll talk about him in a little bit, but how he bounces everything off his producers and and talks or whatever. And, you know, it takes the load off you a little bit as the host, when you can do that, he, you know, he's in the box alone and, and he's able to do a show every single day. And, you know, you'll hear from his producer during the show, but really it's all Jim Rome. And there's, and there's the other thing about Rome's show that you hear is a lot of silence. 
is he'll say something and he knows the timing of to let it sink in for two, three seconds, then add on top. There have been a number of times I've been riding in my car thinking the signal went out because there's just dead air. But he works that and uses it to his advantage because if there's dead air after you say something, it makes it feel more impactful sometimes. And so he's really good at using not only his voice, but the silence after to make a point. Great point. Great point. He keeps you hanging on. He knows he has you captivated. He knows he's in no rush, which is awesome because uh, amateurs get nervous. They fill silence with any type of noise, even if it's nonsensical. Um, Rome is, it's a masculine show. It's kind of like you, you picture a bunch of like softball first basemen listening to it, um, which I think is really cool, but it's also meta. It's also, it's also smart. It's also like, when you think of like what sports radio fans are like, I think you kind of think of like the Jim Rome crew. Uh, and, and there's a great place for that. Like, it's not, we don't have to change everything. Like that's, that's what it is. That's, that's who's appreciating it. The underrated part about his, his program too, I got to say the guests, he gets good guests and he does great interviews. We haven't even talked about his interviews. He's one of the best. He might, he's up there. He's definitely up there. He's, he's top three interviewer uh, because he does, he does the research and he knows how to connect to people. And I think it's the same thing when people go in to do Rome, they know that they have to be candid. Just the, you know, you mentioned Stern earlier. It's not the same vibe, but it's the no. same. I'm going on Rome. I'm yeah. going to be real. I'm not going to like BS my way through this. And he knows exactly how to play that. Um, you know, if, here's the thing. If you don't bring it in an interview with Rome, he'll cut it short and then talk trash about you for the next three segments. Like he will do that if you're not giving him anything and it'll become a meme that'll be on the show for three years where they keep referring back to that horrible interview. And so you have to be candid with him, but you're right. The preparedness is what gets me with Rome. He'll ask about things that nobody is asked about and he'll find angles that nobody finds. And you're right. Those interviews are, they're fantastic. And they're newsmaking interviews. They pop up all the time. And he leans into things that are a little different. Like he does a lot of UFC interviews and he does a lot of, you know, because he wants to mine territory. I feel like he wants to mine territory. He hasn't gone down before. You know, how many times does he have to interview X football player or X baseball player? He likes having recurring guests who get the show. But if you're somebody who comes on and doesn't get the show and gives a bland interview, he's not going to have you back. You know, he doesn't feel the pressure to have you back. He's secure enough in his show to know what his audience will want. And he wants guys who are going to talk and are going to say things. Let's pause for a second to make some money. Yeah. Uh, so my number five is Pat McAfee and he is rising up the list big time for me. And the reason why is because he's a different type of host. He's, he's the modern, we talked about sort of modern changes and podcasts and things like that. Pat McAfee feels like a podcast host hosting a radio show. He doesn't care what you think and he doesn't care about convention and he doesn't care about sort of how he's supposed to, conduct the interviews or how he spent he is off the wall he's energetic he's hilarious and he i would say he's innovative he's innovating things you know you see you talked about physicality with tyranny half the time pat McAfee's standing up he's swinging a baseball bat he's tossing a football he's doing something in that space and you feel like what he's doing on his show is just having a good time. It's, it doesn't feel like it's a stringent radio show. It feels like he's enjoying himself. And I will say, 
the Tuesday afternoon interviews with Aaron Rodgers were the best thing in radio this year. They were the best thing in radio because every week something newsworthy happened. And he, because of his personality and because of the fact that former football players like him and athletes like him, he was able to score that when nobody else can and make something happen every single week with those interviews and get Aaron Rodgers to open up something he doesn't do very often, get him to talk about behind the scenes of football. So it's not just McAfee saying, Hey, when I was the Colts punter, this happened. He's getting Rodgers to tell those stories, a two-time MVP. Who's probably going to win his third this year, opening up about what it's like to be a football player, the kind of trash talk there is on the field, what happens after a game in a locker room, all of that stuff is endlessly fascinating. And I feel like only Pat McAfee could have gotten to it. Yeah, he's, I mean, look, his stock is, look, diamond hands on that stock, uh, if, I, if I have to give a tip, because <laughs> it is going to the moon. It's already at the moon, essentially. I mean, when you look at the portfolio of things that he's he's doing uh, and has the liberty and freedom to do, he's he's in a great place already, and, and the sky is the limit for him. Uh, Pat is a testament to the power of just being normal. Um, and, and being a slightly amped up version of a very norm core person, yep, uh, yep. because you're going to relate to your audience. Uh, he doesn't try to be anybody that he's not, he may be turning the volume up when the camera's on a little bit, but everybody does that. Uh, he's, he's interesting. He's curious about things. He doesn't want to do a boilerplate show. He's not afraid of making mistakes. He has a thick skin, like you go through the traits of what this guy has going for him. And number one, I think it's probably on the list is that he's fearless and yes. he's going to do things the way he wants to do them. Look at what the path his career has taken. You know, he's, he's, he's made some, he took a big risk leaving Barstool and I would say it definitely paid out, paid off for him and is going to continue to pay off. Uh, Brian Curtis of the ringer wrote a great piece on the interview with Rogers and how it's like the first worthwhile one where they the quarterback comes on for a paid spot in like 20 years and says something interesting. And you got the sense that Rodgers identified it as the one place he could say stuff. And I think he said stuff to get a rise out of people because it became a thing. You will not convince me that Rodgers was just like that. I think that he played into the he played into the whole thing himself because Pat made him feel comfortable. And that was the thing. Uh, his ability to relate to players as much as fans is, is really spectacular. And I should say all this, he's not on my list. I kind of forgot about him um, because he, he's so new. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even consider him for this list, but you're exactly right. He's got a fantastic show. He's got an innovative show in the best thing that they do too. If, if anybody happens to be listening to this, them getting the clips out immediately on social media, that's happening in the show. More radio shows need to do this. Agreed. Embrace that the show through Twitter. It, there are so many people who would like to do that. And then if they see something that interests them, that's two and a half minutes long, they're going to click it and they're going to be drawn into your show each and every day. So I think that there's some really revolutionary stuff going on in, in terms of the way that he's presenting his show as well. The, the simulcast is interesting. Uh, it kind of, le- it's not, I want to say it's lo-fi, but it's kind of like, it kind of has that late night, like public access show vibe to it, which is so fun, which matches him perfectly. I, I think that, the one downside with McAfee, I will say, 
I don't know what he's like when he's, when he's covering a serious topic. So when something serious happens, something, some, the weight of the world is on something, I don't listen enough to know how he negotiates that. I, I trust that he finds a way to do it, but he does seem kind of like the respite guy. He does seem like the, uh, the, the, the fun guy, which, uh, you know, which can be a limitation on, on some days. And, and if that's an unfair characterization, characterization, I apologize. It's just from the outside. Uh, that's the one thing I would, I would worry about that. Maybe the best thing to ask, um, and it's slightly off topic, but, but, but kind of in the same thing, he's a man of many talents, where do you think his career is going to go? And do you think his career includes a national radio program when it's all said and done? I don't know. I, I think he likes doing it and he's so energetic for it. I know it's a lot of work, I, but I, I think that you're right, that he could do a lot of different things and, and could be sort of the everyman, you know, the everywhere sports guy that winds up doing everything. And you're kind of like Pat McAfee's on my television all day, you know, and, and I think he certainly has that talent. And you mentioned something that that's really interesting is that he can relate to his interview subjects, both as a fan and a former player. And he definitely shows that, that he is a fan of all these guys and he's really excited to get them on. And then he wants to talk about them and talk with them. I mean, because he's excited as a fan, but he also can relate to him in a way that many other interviewers can't because he's a former professional, a former pro bowler. You know, I mean, he was at the peak. I know he's a punter, but as he'll tell you, punting's not an easy job. You know, it's you only hear about the punter when he screws up. And uh, I think that there's something different about him as, as a radio host. And I have heard him cover, you know, serious topics. And he does bring it down a little bit. He'll throw in a, you know, a, a reference or a joke here and there, but he can cover a serious topic. But that's not the vibe of the show. The vibe of the show is, you know, it's a party. And, and we're having these guys on and we're having fun. And, and he's so like ridiculously energetic that it, it just, I don't know where he gets the energy. I hope he goes home and naps because it's got to take a lot out of you after a while. But uh, yeah, there is something different. And, and honestly, I don't know where his career goes or if he keeps the, the mad dog radio show, or if he moves to something else, or if he maybe reduces the time and goes to a podcast, but it just seems like he's enjoying what he's doing right now so much that he wouldn't think about, you know, sort of do anything, every, anything else. I mean, I know he does work with the WWE and stuff like that, but you know, I, I, I could see him doing football broadcasts consistently and, and, and I could see him, you know, sitting at a desk being a, an expert they bring in to do stuff for, for ESPN and, or even, you know, doing stuff like a Kenny main type stuff where they put him as man on the street stuff or, or wherever doing features because he could do that. He's that energetic and that interesting and that entertaining. And, and I think what he's building over there is, is fantastic. And I think, you know, I, I said uh, in one of our Slack chats that when we picked our radio show of the year this year, Colin Cowherd won it. And I said, my pick for next year is probably Pat McAfee. If, if I had a handicap early on because of what he's doing and how impressive it is. So who, who'd you have at number four there, uh, Kyle? You know, I took someone who also kinds to tends to do things with his friends uh, and create something new. Uh, I have Dan Patrick and Dan Patrick is a special place for me because I think he's maybe my favorite person that's ever been at ESPN. When you incorporate sports center and the radio show, it was one of the first radio shows nationally that I started tuning into. I was just like, Oh, this is, this is great. It's like a more conversational uh, 
sports center, like, or, or a newspaper that's happening in full time shows you how old I am, uh, you know, before, before blogs, uh, it was kind of like, all right, here's what happened. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do segments. Uh, he's so steady. Um, he, he's true to himself. He invented a new model uh, with the Danettes. I know yep. that we've said invented things much, uh, maybe much too often on this podcast, but he really did. It was like, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, and they are going to be on the show. And whether that was a choice of, I don't want to carry the show by myself or the show is more interesting with other people, it worked out. Um, and it's something that you've seen an exponential rise in since he built that studio in Milford. Uh, is people who incorporate their producers and their bookers and their sound guy on the show. They from, all have nicknames and they're, you know, it's the right. The Danettes, the Dan, everybody wants to be the Danettes. And, and I would say some of that replication is probably, um, you know, gone down a little bit in recent years, but there was a time where it was like, everybody's, we're going to do the Dan Patrick model. Um, great interviewer, uh, very steady, uh, kind of like a statesman, um, I love his, I love his essays too. And, and one of the things that people don't really realize when he gives his little short essays, five minutes or whatever on, on a topic, I really enjoy hearing what he has to say. And as long as he's going to be putting things out there, I'm going to be interested in what his take is on it. Uh, and, and he's, and he's shown the ability to evolve too. Um, yeah, sports jeopardy, got to say I was a contestant. So, you know, I'm a little <laughs> bit biased. I got last place. That's right. Um, but the sports, oh, what's the episode? You didn't do that bad, right? The sports jeopardy, the sports jeopardy gig. Um, he even on air where he was kind of like got into this news breaking game with the big 10 this year. Uh, I, I think a lot of people were a bit jarred by it, but it was definitely a new way for him to go. Uh, yeah. I think it worked out. I think that, I think that his information proved correct enough for that. It was okay for him to do that. Uh, but it was, he was, it was a guy like, I'm going to be doing this. I know that the show has had some trouble finding, like, uh, you, you know, they bounced around the simulcast a little bit. Now they're on Peacock and candidly in conversations, it's like, okay, how much longer is this show going to go on? Is they got another three years, they got another four years. And I don't think that that's really fair, uh, to the show as a whole to look at like what it accomplished, um, you know, what it was like, quote unquote, with less comp, fewer competition, fewer competitors, I think would, would be yes. the best way to say that. But I am just so, I'm so interested in Dan, um, the everyman who has that background of, of, of knowing everybody, um, talking to everybody. I, I really trust his opinion and his ability to think authoritative on things and not just say things for a headline, like not being totally interested in creating content or going viral. He's just going to be uh, the role of like stately radio guy. Yeah, I've got Dan a little higher, uh, but I agree with everything you said. I think that he did innovate and create a show where he had a team that was around him that he brought in and all of them would be, you know, part of the show because he's sitting there staring at him for three hours, you know, you might as well bring them in and, and get their opinions. And you clearly like them. You hired them. Uh, they're writing stuff for you. They're, they're helping you produce. What do you think about this? You know, I, I, I think that that was the innovation that he came up with that, that changed the game a little bit. Uh, I also think that he, a gets great guessing, does great interviews that make news. 
And, and, and that's something that's been, you know, going from a, a desk anchor at SportsCenter to an interviewer seamlessly and creating, you know, breaking news essentially with your interviews and then moving into breaking news himself. All of that is, is an evolution that I don't think people would have seen when he was, you know, hosting SportsCenter every night. And, and uh, the other thing is he, he's incredibly smart and he knows where his limitations are and knows not to overstep in interviews and let the, one thing that a lot of people who interview don't under don't get innately let your interviewee say what that you want them to say. Don't put the words in, don't say like, so can you talk about this or can you do this? Or can you, you know, do you think this, let them tell you what they think. Don't lead them on. And he leaves it out there and lets these people talk. And, and it's, it's a really, it's a fine line to do that because you want to get them to talk about something, but you've got to sort of cast the line and have them take the bait as opposed to just force feeding them what you want them to say. And, and he's one of the best at that. He's also become an incredible radio broadcaster over the years and, and not to say that he wasn't always, but I feel like he's gotten better and better and better just at the technical broadcasting aspect of it. And, and again, I love the group show aspect. It feels like there's no, hierarchy these are just his buddies that he's having a show with and and it, a lot like i feel like pat mcafee has adopted that model essentially because he talks with his guys all the time and and i feel like that is based on what patrick has done and and you're right i don't know what the what the longevity is for for his show in the future but i think that it's what it's done so far is, is, has been fantastic. Um, I would, I would, I just want to say he, as far as like voice, maybe the best voice, yes. Radio voice of, of, of anybody on this list. And he asked questions like he was having a drink at the bar uh, with, with, with people and he's comfortable and he makes people feel comfortable and it's a, it's a unique uh, broadcasting style. So I just wanted to, wanted to throw that out there. I don't think I'll ever hear someone who has a better voice for radio than Dan Patrick. No, I agree with you. Um, Number four for me was Jim Rome. Um, Again, Southern California guy had to rank him higher uh, or a lot of my friends would, I'd hear, I'd hear from a lot of them. So Kyle, who's, who's number three for you? Number three, I have Colin Coward. Same here. We, we've, we've lined up again. Colin Coward keeps winning best radio host uh, for our site awards. And Colin Coward keeps winning best radio host awards because he is a solo broadcaster who is at the top of his field, who is relevant, who has perfected a style based on similes and comparisons and saying things in an artistic way and always ticking people off just enough, but being just likable enough that you're not really mad at him. You're kind of like, see him as this rap scallion. You take him seriously, but you don't take him too seriously. You want to hear what he has to say, but you don't really care what he has to say. He is the perfect vessel for what you want a radio host to be. He He's pure entertainment and he's so damn good at it, Ryan, that it, it kind of makes me mad. Uh, yeah. It seems like every single week we will share something in Slack that will end up to be a post that here's how we build his take. And his take is five minutes long and it's just beautiful. And it goes to like, it touches on pop culture. It has stats in, it has all these things. It has a big logical jump that like, I think he knows people are going to like attack, but it's like, I'm going for it anyway. He relishes that. 
He does. And it's so beautiful. And I have so much respect for it. Is he my favorite? No, he is not. But I think I might, I might think that he is the most talented peer broadcaster who understands the form and the medium he's working on that I have ever seen. And maybe will ever see in my life. I think that he is, he's like, I don't want to throw the word like perfected uh, around, but it does seem like he's perfected it. Yeah. He's one of the few people left. I, I have him at number three, two as well. And he's one of the few people left who can drive the conversation nationally every day, every single day, that guy sets a flow for the conversation nationally. And he doesn't care if he's wrong. That's the other thing is that like, he knows in this business, you're on the radio a couple hours every day, you're going to say things that wind up being wrong. You cannot take that to heart. And he plows through. Now, when he's right, he will beat it into you that he was right, but he casually forgets the parts where he's wrong. Now, while that may annoy some people, when you understand that it's shtick, and that is sort of the essence of what he's doing, you kind of understand where he's coming from. And, and look, if you talk on the radio for that many hours a day, you're going to get things wrong. And he just bypasses the fact that he got it wrong. Sometimes he'll address it, but very rarely. And I think that you're right about the way he creates takes it, whether you agree with him or not, they can be entertaining and they are. And he is so good at crafting them. He does one or two big ones a show and they're just, you know, from soup to nuts, they are well-crafted and they have, you know, similar sort of pathways to get to a point and to get to a stat. And then you get to the pop culture reference and then you get to the end part and you write about the logical jumps that he takes sometimes. And you're just, how did he, Oh, right. He's calling coward. That's how he did that. And, and it's, but you're right about the show. It's, he is one of those people that can, again, I go back to it, can drive the conversation like few can. And, and, and it, it used to be that there would be about four of these guys every day on the air that would be able to drive the sports conversation every day. And you had to tune in. Cowherd feels like he might be the only one left who does this consistently on a daily basis. And again, whether you agree with him or not, whether you like his style or not, there's no denying what he's done and how talented he is as a broadcaster. And what he's created with the show is, is something pretty incredible. And to take the leap from ESPN to Fox and do all of that. I mean, that took guts and he's still, and a lot of people thought, Oh, he's going to disappear off of ESPN. And if anything, he's more relevant, you know, by moving on. He has a wide catalog of interests, but you get the sense that he really still loves sports. Yes. He enjoys watching the games. Uh, he's curious about what the people who play sports. He's so, he's so attuned to uh, that sports are played by people and not played by machines. And, and therefore you can understand their motivations. Uh, so you need to understand people more than you need to understand a four, three, which is great advice for anybody who wants to cover sports because people at home don't know the particulars of, of the sport as well as they think they do. What they do understand is people and their motivations, or they understand car companies. So he, he presents his, his opinions and he presents what's going on in ways that the audience can, can understand, or they do have areas of expertise in. He just launched his own podcasting um, umbrella. And in the release he said that this was he said he's 57 years old and he sees this as a way to age more gracefully but i think that he's really underselling himself because when i listen to him i don't think i don't think that he sounds any different than he did in in 2008 i agree he, 
still at the top of his game. And I just don't see him ever like dropping off, at least for the foreseeable future. So I, I, as a project, I've gone back and I've watched some full shows and, and really looked at it with a, with a, with a critical eye. And I am blown away at the production. I am blown away at the universe that they've created. It might not be the number one thing for my sentimentalities. And I think it's important that I say that because I, he interests me. I still have him three on my list and he's not someone that I've ever been like super excited that I'm going to catch their show. I just, it's just this profound, you know, this profound acknowledgement of what they've done. And then I will also say um, when it comes to the site, when it comes to the big lead, you can't tell the story of the big lead without coward. And I know that I know personally what he did for Jason. And I know that what he's done for some other people, that he wants to cultivate and grow talent and, uh, you know, elevate them. And he does, and he doesn't necessarily see them as a threat. And he also has amplified us over the years. So I really appreciate um, not being talked down to not being threatened, anything <laughs> like that. Like, I think that that's, that's, that's a really awesome thing that, um, you know, is, is, is uncommon. For sure. And, and I also think that, him moving into the podcast arena will be really interesting for sports media to see who does he go grab to be flagship podcast and who does he do this and who does he do that. And constantly evolving is something he's talked about since he joined Fox was that he decided to make that move because he wanted to evolve and change things. So it'll be interesting to see if that drive, if his show evolves as well with, with that new venture coming out or if he continues to do the same, but I I think it's, you have to respect what he's built and what he does on a daily basis. And now time to pay the bills. Um, Who was number two for you, Kyle? Number two for me is a little guy on a pirate ship called Dan Lebetard. And I'll say Dan Lebetard's show is my favorite that I've ever listened to. It is the thing that I'm most excited for. Uh, it is a sports show, but it's so much more. Um, it's a community that I think that the only one I've actually felt a part of in some way. Um, he knows how to connect with people and he's assembled the universe. So look, he's number two on this list. Is he the person who's my favorite on the show? No, but he created it. <laughs> and he has worked together with, with Sugats to just... I mean, whether it was through intention, whether it was through like just the confluence of all these things coming together, he's created a truly unique world that you have to get the show to understand. And once you do is so fulfilling and rich and it makes it hard to listen to anything that's just not that. And the best compliment I can, I can give is that he's, he's largely ruined other sports radio for, for me. And listening because I want it to be more um, like what they've built over there. Um, I assume he's pretty high on your list as well. Yeah, I, I'm, there's no mystery here because he's higher on my list. He's number one for me, and and the reason why, and that has certainly changed over the last I'd say 18 months. He has moved up my rankings considerably, and his biting, subversive humor is incredible. I mean, the way the amount of humor they put into that show below the surface is unbelievable and you're right you have to feel a part of that community to feel the whole to get the whole show and the bits they pull off the passion they have 
and and the seriousness. I mean, he takes a serious topic and dissects it better than anybody in sports radio. And I don't think it's particularly close. You can get humor a lot of places. You can get fun a lot of places. And you could certainly get that on the Levitard show. But you can't get the deep, passionate angle on serious topics that Dan does. And I think he... I think he has become a better host. I don't think it's me realizing the show because I've heard the show before, but I think that he has really found his footing and taken things to another level over the last three years or so. I think he has become better at his job. You're right. The, the, the people around him on that show are great as well, uh, but it's him and it's that deep, passionate feeling on all topics that that really separates that show and it's all Dan. And and I think that he is truly has taken his star to a completely new level. Absolutely. And the most interesting things to me um, as a content creator or an editorial person is realizing that almost every creative project that's out there is about the creative process. Um, that's the subtext to it. Everything that the characters are saying is basically about how they got to that point. And on most shows, you would shy away from that. You would shy away from the inside baseball. You'd shy away from emotional, uh, authentic feelings. You would shy away from the friction with ESPN. At every turn, he leaned into it and brought you inside the mind and brought you inside the, the arguments. And it was just laid himself bare. And the show works because he is secure enough in who he is to let everybody point out his faults and for him to point out his faults himself. Like for him, when he says that he's the grief eater, he knows that like, that's the joke. And he sees himself as a one-to-one relation, like, like on the same level with the people on the staff. And I also think the listeners too, yeah. the, the listeners who are going to put the time in to connect with this show. There's no, there's no barrier there. So you're basically getting tapped into like this person's mind and being so real and being so raw that you listen, you listen to one of the shows and, and I don't want to be hyperbolic here. I really don't. But I, there were times after a three hour Levitard show at the height of uh, the intrigue with ESPN, it would hit one o'clock Eastern time and I would feel emotionally drained. Yeah. I feel like I had gone on this journey for three hours and it just sapped me. I laughed. I got angry. I, you know, like I thought about things. I thought about things in new ways. Like it was just this unbelievable stimulus for my mind. And, and I think that's what I enjoy most about the world over there is I feel so engaged and I feel like all my synapses are firing and I'm functioning at a level that's like almost beyond myself because I think to really appreciate the show, you need to do that. And you need to be as smart as Dan. You need to be as, as smart as everybody on that show who's contributing. And I think that that's fantastic. And I, I just don't even know how you go about creating something, something like that out of whole cloth. So when I, that's the testament to the show that is, it will stay with me. Yeah, and one thing that I think is is interesting about Dan as compared to other hosts, and a lot of hosts are sort of politicians in a way that they're not going to specifically call people out. And Dan is not that guy. If he has a problem with you, he will call you out and he will make pointed commentary about you. And that got him in trouble at times at, at ESPN. 
he is who he is and he's not going to be fake on the air for anybody. And I think that that is why his listeners are so loyal because they're not going to take that, you know, they're not going to take fake people and he's not, and he just brings it every show. There is something, whether it's a, you know, some shows are just funny. Some shows are kind of, they actually do, you know, some decent sports analysis and then other shows are just completely not sports and they're focused on other things or maybe sports tangential to sports, but not, you know, down the middle of sports. And it's his ability to do that. Like a jazz musician is, as you've mentioned before, for, for some of these other guys is incredible. And what he's built there is incredible. And the fact that he can do the things that people say, Oh, if you do that, you'll lose listeners and retain listeners is what makes him different because people believe it when it comes from him. It doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel set up. It doesn't feel like you're just doing it to be shocking. He does it because that's who he is and what he believes. And he goes to the places that other radio show hosts don't. And the audience responds to that typically in a positive way, which in is. The last, yeah. And the last thing is that, you know, again, the power of wanting the right audience and yeah. just being like, okay, if people aren't going to get it, I'm not for them. I'm not going to try to appease them or, or appeal to them. I'm going to the show, the show I want, and I want the fans and the support that I want. And that will is what will fulfill me. For sure. And, and, and again, Seth sets him apart from others. And, and I would say, you know, he and Rome, there's a similar sort of thing that they do where it's, it's for this specific audience. And, and it's, it's very, Interesting that they have found a way to be successful doing that. Um, my number two was Dan Patrick, as, as we already talked about. Uh, again, just a just an innovative angle to his show. And, and as you said, one of the best voices in sports and broadcasting. So uh, I will 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 end on yours. I'll say that Dan Levitard, we just talked about him. He's my number one. So who is your number one, Kyle? I'm really interested to hear this. Okay, I'm going to keep this short and sweet, and it's going to be someone who I'm sure a lot of people haven't heard of outside of Chicago. His name is Les Grobstein. He has been on the radio. He's been doing stuff for 50 years. He hosts an overnight show. He is a legend in the media circles for just being a worker, a total unique guy who's putting content out there in the middle of the night the way that he wants to. Um it is just a testament to believing in yourself, uh, caring about something so much that you're willing to do it in the middle of the night, embracing it. He's found his audience. He's, he's, he's just done it on like a much smaller scale than a lot of the guys that we've talked about. And I, John Greenberg wrote a great profile on him for the athletic. And, and instead of sitting here and me going through the resume about what Les has done, I just want to say that he is a stand-in for every single radio host who's ever got out there, uh, especially in local markets, especially in small markets, uh, as ham radio people who have just done what they love. And people said, why are you doing this? Is it worth it? Like, there's so many reasons to quit. He just stuck with it and he's become this institution and it doesn't matter that a lot of people haven't heard of him. It doesn't matter that he's not the biggest name. He's spent his entire life doing the one thing that he loves. And I think that that to me is the purest thing you can, you can ever do. And 
we're not, we're not going to spend much time discussing it. I just wanted to put him as number one because almost as an idea of the purity in what's so special about radio. Uh, maybe what I'll ask you is is uh, what type of what type when someone says that they are a radio host and they've been doing it for a long time, what type of qualities do you ascribe to those people? And, um, you know, like what type of emotion does it, does it conjure up for you? Well, one thing is if you're doing it for that long, especially in a local market, you have to be a really good interviewer because you have to, you're getting get local markets. It's all about guests and you do shows and you, and you do takes or whatever. But one of the best parts is, is getting these people to come on and mining interesting things from them, because that's what separates you from your competition is your ability to get something out of people that nobody else does because you're all going to get the same guests in a local market to some degree, you know, versions of the same guest. And so I think that the interviewing has to be good. As you've mentioned, the writing has to be good too. You have to be able to set up takes and have opinions and, and be able to react to things in a way that is coherent and that makes sense. And that doesn't run out of gas you know, midway through. I mean, you've got to be well-researched. And I think those are the things that it's not that they have to be the biggest sports fan in the world, but they have to be knowledgeable and have an opinion. Those are the two things that separate local, especially in local markets. And then I think the interviewing style has to be good as well. You have to be able to have engaging interviews or people tune out and move to the next thing, you know, when you do have guests on. So I think those three things, those three elements are what really I think draw me in as a listener. And I think are the constant traits of really good sports talk radio hosts. What about you? I think you got to care. I just think yeah. you got to care. I, I think you need to take pride in what you're doing. You need to be considerate of, of that. You're, that you're covering people. You need to be respectful of your audience and you need to persevere um, and, 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 and take your lumps and, and everybody on the list did that and, and struggled and had moments of self-doubt and are emblematic of, of so many people who dream the dream and were never able to realize it. So I, I think that, I think that when we go through this list and we start talking about all these people, the ability to connect with someone is a very precious thing. And, you know, I don't want to get, you know, too deep here, but it really is, it really is special, the connection that, that radio fosters between the people who listen to it and the people that do it. And, um, you know, when it, when it's done well, and when it's uh, a, a two-way street, it's, it's, uh, it's borderline magical. Yeah, it is. And, and I think that there's something about, there's a reason why some of these guys stick around so long and you don't see them recycled out like TV hosts. And it's because there's a specific talent to this that takes more and it just takes an extra push and drive that a lot of people don't have. And, and, and it's, and there's also talent associated with it. You got to have a good voice and you got to be able to attack that and, uh, and, and, and be able to bring out different things in people. So I, I, I think that looking at this list, it's fascinating to get both our perspectives on what radio meant to us, because in 10 years, somebody doing a podcast like this may have a completely different perspective on what radio is. We grew up when sports talk radio was the thing that many people aspired to. And now you've got to diversify everything and you've got to you know, do this, this and this 
you know, it's hard to just be a radio host anymore. So it was really fascinating learning about your sort of how you came to some of these guys and, and what your perspective on what it means to be a radio host. I found that fascinating. Yeah. It's really cool to, to hear another person talk about things that they're passionate about. Uh, more of that is always good. Yeah. So uh, that's the end of, of this best of seven guys. Uh, that was a, that was our seven uh, favorite sports talk radio hosts and the seven we think are best in the country. Uh, thank you for listening. I, I really found this one interesting and, and enjoyed listening to, to Kyle's passion on this one. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast, wherever podcasts are found. We thank producer Sean Daly for all of his work on this podcast. He's phenomenal. And we had to give him a shout out. Be sure to check out Kyle's new podcast, the Kyle Coster show. It's just had its debut. You can find that wherever you find your podcast, like subscribe, all that Kyle's first episode is fantastic. I highly recommend it. Thank you for listening again and stay tuned to the big lead for all the latest in sports uh, and check out all of our content on the website. Thanks a lot guys.